Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, last week was probably the first episode uh, that I've missed in well over um, well over a year. And that was because I was away on my honeymoon in the Maldives. Um, fantastic time, amazing place, paradise, but a little bit bittersweet to come back home to uh, the second lockdown of the year for us up in Scotland. The the good thing, I suppose, is that in Ireland, they've allowed the gyms to open in lockdown. Um, some places in England are still in tier three and everyone is making a heck of a lot of noise to try and get uh, the gyms open across, really across all tiers across the UK. And um, whether that happens or not, I guess we'll, we'll see. But um, myself and everyone here at sort of Vila Physique team are continuing to just do the do, as I'm sure uh, the lot of you are as well that are listening, whether you have invested in some kit or you still have your kit from before. Um, quite a few people, what I've said to them, um, especially our clients that um, may perhaps stay nearby, I'm always like, why not just grab all your kit, um, chuck it in a garage um, with, let's say, two or three other people's kit? Because you might have dumbbells, uh, but then someone else in your team or close by might have a barbell. Um, or a pull down or something like that. Chuck it in a garage or a lock up, a shipping container, or, you know, whatever it is may, it may be, um, can, can give you a heck of a lot of kit um, that you can program accordingly. Now, all you then do is just maybe perhaps set set some specific times where you would use it or just communicate, have a WhatsApp group. Hey guys, I'm heading down here. Hey guys, I'm heading down there. And um, that's exactly what uh, I've done, um, or me Ali have done, and a couple of clients um, is literally just Log work in the one place and, and that's how we're able to still get some pretty decent workouts and there's also quite a few private facilities i'm sure across the uk they're, they're doing sort of times where you can book book the gym on your own or whatnot or if you you know you formed kind of a quote-unquote bubble or whatnot with with other people that you can use use a facility and um, i think that the whole of the whole of the uk as well especially scotland i suppose we're entering it um a lot more positive than we entered the first one the first one was kind of unknown right um i suppose i should i should mention for the people in glasgow because they suffered they, you know they had a, a sort of three-week lockdown as it was came out for two and then they're back in um so for clients in glasgow it has been a bit of a nightmare but fortunately like my, my clients in glasgow um have had decent amount of home setup but in general we're a lot more prepared for this one, uh, but that doesn't make it any better <laughs> than, than the first one. I think everyone's a lot more uh, just just fed up with it right now, um, but are doing the absolute necessary to continue to, to get the results. Um, so anyway, I, I'm not going to dwell on the current situation because I feel that a lot of people are fed up with it, um, but there's a lot of people just kind of getting on with it as well um, because a lot of it is kind of with our control. We can make as much noise as we can. Um, but ultimately, it's never going to fall down to our decision. If it, if it was my decision, the gyms would be open the whole time. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of people that would disagree with that, but I'm sure there's a fuckload of people that would agree with it. But anyway, moving on. Um, the podcast itself will continue into 2021, um, and I look forward to delivering episodes on a weekly basis. I've scheduled in um, specific times to email people um, to get them on as guests, because when, when I look back um, on the, the guest list I've, I've had on, quite a lot of people um but by all means there, there's so many more that can come on and what i would do is just offer you the opportunity and the chance that if you would like um a guest to be interviewed on on this podcast then by all means please do just reach out to me my my dms um, inbox on instagram is always open you can even send me an email 
let me know who you'd like on, what you'd like to talk about, uh, because I, I've done that in the past. Um, for example, the episode that me and Thomas Maud done, uh, those of you all know about TM Cycles, um, and the one I done with Cuba, I literally put a request on an Instagram story. Um, people asked for that, and then I got them on, both on the following week. I recorded two episodes in that week, so please feel free to um, to reach out um, if you do want to see someone, or just like if you want to hear about a specific topic, like today, I um, well, when I say today, this is Tuesday, this will drop on Thursday. Um, I put up an Instagram sort of question about any topics you'd like to hear. And there's a couple um, that have been, a couple of questions that have been asked. Um, and I'm going to talk about um, one other subject that's quite, that, that links in quite well. So moving on, someone asked about um, creatine and why, you know, it, it feels often misunderstood and why it helps. And, and I guess they wanted to know a little bit more about kind of the ins and outs of how it works so what you need to know is that I'm going to try and like I'm going to try and give the simplest layman's term answer um out there so if you are into physiology and you're a physiology buff um please do <laughs> please don't call, uh, call me out um because I'm trying to really relay this to perhaps um those people that don't really know much about physiology but they're still interested to know how something works so Energy itself, like how we produce energy um, in the muscle, we have uh, different energy systems within the body, right? Creatine is part of what we'd call the phosphocreatine system. And you're probably thinking, Vaughn, fucking hell, you've lost me already, that's a big word. But just hear me out on this one. This energy system is really sort of designed to give your muscles, let's say, like rapid, like rapid available energy straight away. And it's going to provide you energy for roughly the first, let's say, eight to ten seconds of work then thereafter your body's kind of going to go into producing energy from either the aerobic system or the anaerobic and by that i mean producing energy from whether we have oxygen available or whether we don't have oxygen available the phosphocreatine system is what we class as anaerobic it does not need oxygen to produce um energy muscle contraction but but how does that work you know how does that mean that we can supplement creatine and ultimately see benefit from that an increase in performance and recovery which there's a large amount of evidence out there if you want to go um, down the rabbit hole on this one about creatine being beneficial for the likes of strength and recovery well let me talk you through it so what we have in our muscles are we have creatine stores but they are bound to a phosphate molecule. So we would call this phosphocreatine. Now, when we are in the first, say, as I said, eight to 10 seconds of exercise, there's gonna be a reaction with this phosphocreatine molecule and something called ADP, adenine, adenosine phosphate, for those of you that wanna go research that. Now again, these are big words, but these two molecules are gonna react and produce creatine, and ATP. ATP is what we'd call the energy molecule, right? That's how we we're gonna measure it. Now, this reaction itself is reversible. So once we have, say, finished doing the, the work, the set, the exercise, whatever it is, we're gonna get a reversible reaction back into phosphocreatine and ADP. So it's been evident that if we have more creatine say float around in our in our system in our blood it's then available to take part in the reversible reaction to phosphocreatine thus 
increasing the the bound creating stores in your muscle so you have more of an ability to produce force so let's say for example um, again in layman's terms if we think that it's usually going to give us energy for the first say 10 seconds well let's say by supplementing creatine we get an extra two seconds i know you're thinking well why the hell would that matter well what if that extra two seconds gives us an extra rep and that happens every single exercise every single workout across the year and the time that we use it it then builds up to, to quite a lot of reps then thereafter as i said after that first sort of 10 seconds your body's going to either go into aerobic or anaerobic systems also known as the glycotic or oxidative systems now for the most part if you're lifting weights it's going to be aerobic isn't it because well i mean then saying again there's a lot of people that might hold their breath uh, unintentionally when doing weights for, for the most part you're going to go into that sort of glycotic slash aerobic respiration um, you can probably work out which system um, is going to be able to produce more energy and which one's going to cause a bit more fatigue if you can i'll give you a hint it's the aerobic one because you have oxygen available so i hope that that sort of like big splur didn't give you too much stress or confuse you too much about how creatine works all you kind of got to roughly know is that it's well evident that it does improve performance recovery and as a kind of general rule of thumb across the industry it's mostly dosed at about five grams say creatine monohydrate um, a day when you take it when i mean people say does it matter when you take it is it pre intra or post or is it first thing in the morning personally i think that there's no sort of right or wrong in that sense i like to put it in my intra workout shake and my hypothesis behind that will be well as i'm sort of training um I'm, I'm wanting to boost my fossil creatine stores so that when i'm giving it the beans that i've got more stores available but i mean each sort of top set or back off set for me is going to take roughly a minute anyway so i'm, I'm really getting benefit in that sort of, sort of first 10 to 12 seconds so moving on the next sort of question um was about competing and this was actually this is actually um, very appropriate because I had a I had a call with um, one of my clients this week, um, and we, what kind of the main purpose of the call was whether we were going to compete again next year or whether we were going to take um, some time off and come back in the sort of following year. And I'm going to talk about two different scenarios here because her scenario is a bit different because she will be the returning British champion um, versus perhaps someone who's competed for the first time um, they've experienced it they've maybe perhaps not placed um, and they have a lot of improvements to make if they if they so want to then improve um, and maybe perhaps grab a placing next time so the conversation I suppose was about competing year in year out and and personally my thoughts on it whether you're a male or a female is that I say you can compete two years in a row I think that you can absolutely make huge improvements um, in that time frame if you are super super disciplined but I think if you have competed once and then you perhaps haven't placed and you want to but you have a lot of improvements to make then you're going to need some some time off but kind of unfortunately what we tend to see in the industry is 
uh, is a lot of people that will compete year in, year out for like literally three, four, five years. And you could say that they sort of fall into the, the trap of, of competing uh, every year. And you're probably thinking, well, Wovon, how, how does this work? And, and I'm going to give you the scenario which, which I think I think is why they fall into it. Is that you know athletes will roughly diet for God anywhere between sixteen to twenty weeks, usually for their first show. But you'll know from from Instagram and following people that people just don't do one show. They'll maybe perhaps do multiple regionals um, as well as perhaps a British finals or, or whatnot. And that might stay in a sort of two or three month period. So they've they've done the eighteen twenty weeks, which is already a long time. Then they add or two or three months on top of that. So then when you look at it, you've been dieting for the most part of the year like three quarters of the year. And that can really mentally drain someone. And at the same time, um, maybe perhaps they've had, uh, you know, their, their family or friends or they've made some sort of sacrifices there. And when competing sort of finishes, they they at times can, can really just fuck everything off. They can lose their way a little bit. And before you know it, it could be sort of two or three months where they haven't tracked their food, they haven't properly trained, They've maybe perhaps been binging, overindulging, uh, not doing their steps, not managing their stress or recovery or whatnot. And sometimes their instant thought is, oh my God, I have to sort myself out. How am I going to sort myself out? And they go, oh, well, I'm going to diet. So then they look, it shows the following year, and they say, right, I'm going to start my prep in a couple of months, having not made any significant improvements. So in that scenario itself, what advice would I give? I would say that shorten your season. Stop doing like two or three months of shows. Um, personally, how I say with clients, I like them to do roughly a maximum of three, about three, let's say three shows. But I like that to be done in the space of like a five or six week period. Um, if it's only two shows, maybe perhaps we're doing a photo shoot in there to just keep them going. And I always find that that allows you to present the best possible look for each one. And you can actually improve on the look depending on sort of the feedback you've got. And it also doesn't, like you're not gonna lose any tissue by doing that. But if you, if you like, if you're prepping for like eight months, like inevitably you are gonna lose tissue by the end of it. If you're a natural individual, it's, it's not something you can argue, it's something that absolutely will happen. So what I say is if you shorten your season, not only have you sort of finished competing, you can spend more time in a gaining phase for the next time you diet. Because if you do that, it would actually maybe perhaps add an extra, let's say, eight weeks onto your gaining phase. And if you're able to have, let's say, a 20-week gaining phase in between um, when you're going to diet after the last time you competed, that's going to be far more beneficial than having, say, eight to ten. And I guess the other piece of advice I would say is that you just have to treat your off-season like prep. You know, it's no secret that the ones who make improvements each time they step on stage are the ones that are just so focused in their off-season. You know, and that pretty much is going to involve ensuring that you quote-unquote tick the boxes even though the next show day might not, you know, might not be looming over your head, you're unsure. And that, that's going to be making sure you eat your meals, you're not binge-generating poor quality foods, training very, very hard, progressing on the bar, literally obsessing over getting stronger, prioritizing your sleep, managing stress, doing your cardio, hitting your steps. And the ones who obsess over all that will come back looking better and better each year. 
it shouldn't really matter if the goal is sort of two years or, or whatnot. If it, if it means that much to you, then then being disciplined with your daily tasks, your habits in an off season um, shouldn't be too hard to do just as you do on prep. And if you know you need to make improvements, let's say you, you've gotten feedback that said you need a bit more size, uh, you should have been a bit more conditioned, then, then maybe taking some time away from the stage wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. You know, maybe you have competed three years in a row, but have you looked much different in those sort of three years? Like we all know that prep's hard, but but sometimes can what can be even harder is staying away because of what I said before about the whole you you, you live for the thrive for the the structure on prep, and and you have a poor sort of off season. Um, but what should fuel your fire is that you know you take that time away. And you just know that because you've been so focused that you're gonna be forced. You're gonna be a force to be reckoned with when you do come back. And then to add on to an earlier point as well is that you know prep itself hard on others around you. So having time away from the stage can maybe allow you to spend a bit more time or be present with your friends, your family when you would usually be dieting at the same time across the year. Maybe perhaps you can kind of get on a holiday or whatever it is. You know, personally, I took three years away from the stage to make the necessary improvements to move up to, to classic physique, but but not all of you will need to do that. I, I had to do that, right? And in fact, there's there's a lot of you who, who don't need um, to take that much time away to make the improvements necessary. And that being said, you know, if I compete later on this year, you're not going to see me up there for a while. But if we look at the, if we look at the scenario, um, when I said I had a, a client on the phone, you know, she's a returning... British Masters champ and competed earlier on this year is now well into an off season and has been so structured probably the most structured she's been ever in a gaining phase the first time I suppose she probably pushed her her body weight up her strength up and everything else up and the difference we're seeing is is really unbelievable so I guess you could say that 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 scenario is well she's the returning British champ so the improvements that she needs to make Let's let's say they're they're not massive compared to maybe perhaps a first time competitor who hasn't placed and needs a bit more tissue in their glutes and their delts. When we when we look at this specific example, um, yes, of course we need we need a bit more tissue in the right places, but that's because I know she wants to be competitive at an even higher level. But to come back next year and retain her title, it's just a case of making some some improvements in the right places, and then then thereafter. Absolutely, as a coach, I would say, let's have some time away because what would be the point in coming back a third time to win the same title? Let's just let's try and aim for, um, you know, the next sort of level up. So I guess in that instance, having a shorter sort of off season as you, as you could call it would be absolutely fine. Um, but for a lot of people, uh, for a lot of females or guys, I suppose, having at least two long. 18, okay, maybe 20, maybe even less, maybe 16 weeks gaining phases with short recomps in between to pull in body fat, to regain appetite, whatever it is, would probably be a better strategy. And let's take, uh, let's look at Clara, right? Um, she is taking this whole year off competing and is now into, I think, the third gaining phase this year because we were halfway through a gaining phase, COVID hit, um, recomp gaining phase, recomp, and now in a gaining phase again. Um, I suppose the, this year's almost over, but as it is, like, the difference in her physique has been unbelievable, and I cannot wait. Um, and other coaches will be the same. Like, 
uh, as a coach, you get excited when you start speaking to your athlete about competing. And I mean, Clara's also a, a teammate of mine, but I'll do her stuff, so I'm going to refer to her as an athlete, and she is an athlete. Um, but you get excited when you, you know, each week, each month, you just see the improvements, you see the improvements, and then, uh, you know, a throwback will come up on Instagram story, and you go, holy shit, like, look at the difference in the delts, the glutes. Um, it was only a few months ago on a podcast I said about how we tweaked Clara's sort of training volume, added literally four sets across the week, and really we're, we're starting to see we're starting to see that now and and that's i suppose been six eight weeks uh, a bit longer than that maybe eight to ten weeks since we adjusted volume and now now we see right that was the right thing to do because we're seeing the benefit from it are we still recovering from that increased volume yes we absolutely are are we adjusted as strong as we were we're even stronger brilliant okay number three how do we have more tissue yes way more and again when we start like speaking about shows as a coach you just go fuck i'm excited because with clara we set a goal when she finished competing um or in her ukup show and um, where she won uh ukup pro card she came third in both the bikini and the um fitness model class uh, straight after i was like right we're gonna take next year off and let's set a goal um for say 2021 and that's that's around the corner. She's she's in the final final gaining phase. May perhaps we'll have a recount before, but um, in general, in her scenario, um, I know that if if so, she wants to, she'll be able to compete twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. Actually, she's probably gonna get me in trouble because I'm sure she's getting married in twenty twenty two. But if if so, she wanted to, she could compete in twenty twenty two again because she's had that sort of time away. Then thereafter, from a coaching perspective, I would say again, let's have some time off. Let's have some time away, but. I guess if you solely looked at the bikini class, there's a certain limit on the amount of muscle you could have. And look at Phoebe Hagen. In that instance, she has been told, "Don't get any, like, don't get more muscle." And you know, she was on the podcast. Go back and listen to the to the episode. I'm not too sure which episode it was, but I guess when you're when you're told that, you then have to, as a as a an athlete, make a decision. Do you change the way you train to then suit a class? Or do you say, fuck it, wellness? <laughs> and I think a lot of the athletes I work with, I know what decision they would make if they, over the years, eventually said, I'm out, you know, I'm too much muscle for bikini. Then all we would do is we tw- would tweak programming um, and then t- to be more suited towards the wellness class, which let's face it, the wellness girls, they're as big as the figure girls, but they're with, like, with much softer posing. Um, but you look at the, the latest... Uh, wellness uh, pro which was prepped by rob to uh, team rf uh, the, you know the company that sponsors me complete strength uh, complete strength owner and um, i think meg meg was her name you know incredible physique big big glutes big big muscle up top as well so there is a limit on how much muscle you can have in bikini um, but it might take years for some for some people to get there um, now the other question so i kind of went off Kind of went off about on that question. That's just because there there wasn't a whole load of questions. To be fair, I think um, a lot of people are maybe still hungover from Christmas, or they're they're maybe starting starting to pre bevy for the for the new year. Um, personally, I don't actually I don't actually drink unless unless it's like thirty degrees and I'm in a different country. I will admit I did have a lot of frozen daiquiris in uh, the Maldives, and they were excellent. I have. Zero, zero regrets. 
Um, <laughs> but but I understand that there's a few people that will that will have like to have a drink. Uh, bevy, as I say, a bevy is a Scottish word for, for, for effectively having a drink of alcohol. For those of you that listen that may perhaps don't understand my Dundonian accent, if you're wondering why I may perhaps I'm speaking a bit differently and I've got, I hope I don't have a lisp, but it's because I have Invisalign in. So if you want to take the piss out of me, that's absolutely fine. Um, every time I change the aligners, I find that for the first five five minutes I have a little bit of a, a, bit of a lisp, shall we say. But hopefully not in this podcast. The Last question um, before I wrap this one up. Uh, last podcast of the year um, was when you're competing, should you kind of cover tattoos? Um, personally, I think that the tan, it, it actually covers a lot of the tattoos themselves. And, and a good example is Erin um, Thompson, great girl, great bodybuilder um, from Scotland up up north, uh, quite a bit further north than, than I am, uh, has been on the podcast twice, great coach as well, um, she, she's got quite a bit of tattoos and if you look at her stage shots you can't actually really see her tattoos, um, so I think that the time covers them, however if you are heavily tattooed, if you have a lot of tattoos then it, it will mask condition, um, however there are some federations that have like tattoo categories um, I think NMFUK is one of them um, I don't th- I, I'm not aware of there being a lot of federations that will do tattooed categories maybe w, um, WBFF do I, I don't really know on that one um, but the likes of your your PCAs your tubros and whatnot if you're heavily tattooed um, it will mask condition for sure but if you've only got a few of them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it whatsoever. Um, I don't think it'll affect your placing whatsoever. Personally, I, I have two. I have a little one on my wrist and then one on my forearm. But um, it had no no sort of detrimental effect on, on my placing or anything this year. So that is kind of it in regards to uh, questions. I, I hope that it gave you a little bit of an insight to how creating works. And some of those words that I said, I, I want you to go away Maybe, maybe have a look on Google. Just get a bit of an understanding. What you'll probably see on Google is a few sort of diagrams about the sort of reversible reaction. Um, and as I said, um, I've not done the physio- physiology justice because I just, I just don't feel that's what this podcast is about. Um, it's about trying to put some terms across in, in you know, easy to understand language or layman's terms, as we should say. And I hope that any episode that you've listened to, now, don't be wrong, there's going to be some... Um, that I will allow the guests to to go off on one in regards to physiology and, and scientific terms. But I hope that um, I've managed to catch them out and say, you know, hey, for those of you that don't know, that don't know much about that, could you explain? And if I haven't, please let me know. Say, hey, Vaughn, you know, that episode that you done with Dr. Dean or, you know, Scott Stevenson or Luke Hoffman or whatever, um, there's just, there was a lot of physiology terms that I wasn't sure of because I'm sure they'd be more than happy to come back on or redo an episode or we'll do a, a different one and maybe perhaps I'll present a challenge to them and say that they're not able to use any sort of scientific words. Maybe perhaps that would go down that go down well. I think people often have like a, they want they want to know the sciencey stuff a little bit just so they could like use it sometimes when they're speaking to their mates and that, but at the same time they're like, Oh I don't give a fuck. Just just let me know the total basics. And I get that. Because please be under no illusion that 
yeah, I, I'll know a little bit about physiology, but right now I'm doing um, some of the, the muscle mentor sort of uh, mechanics stuff. And it, I mean, at uni, biomechanics was just not something I ever enjoyed. And my brain gets fried. Totally fried. I understand it and it makes sense because I've done a bit of it before. But at the same time, like, there, there's some bits of it that will bore me too. Because in my head, I'm like, right, how applicable is it to that? Or it's like anything, that if you use information all the time, you're more than likely going to remember it versus there's some stuff at uni, right? Or university, whatever you want to call it, that if you were trying to talk to me about it, I wouldn't have fucking clue. I'd be like, no, nah. I'd say I remember learning it, but I don't, I don't remember anything before. And that's just because if you don't use it, you lose it, right? We all, we all know that. If you stop giving it on the beans and the hack squat, quads are going to shrink, right? You know, that's going to take a while for them to shrink. Um, and for how long we take off, which is usually a week or maybe two weeks when we're away on holiday or whatever, you're not going to lose any tissue. Um, for those of you that think, oh, go on holiday, I've lost all the gains and lost all my strength. Well, I went away, took took about seven to ten days off legs um, and then came back and hit a PB. So you're not going to lose any tissue. But then again, I'm an assisted male, um, which is maybe perhaps a little bit different if you're natural male or you're maybe perhaps, you know, a five foot one, 60 kilo female um, but for the most part as I've always said um, girls you're stronger than us guys you can recover than us guys and e even though I might shift a ton of weight on a hack squat anytime I train with a high level like female again I'll use Clara's example kicks my ass in regards to sort of body weight to weight ratio on the bar it kicks my ass because you remember I weigh I weigh 100 and Right now, this morning it's 128, 127.8 kilos or something. I'm recomping right now. Um, whereas, not at times I've seen harder other females just shift like more than double their body weight. And then I look at like what I would have to do double body weight on a machine and I'm like, fuck that. Um, but anyway, I digress. I'm going off on another tangent here. I, f I feel like I kind of do that a lot when I do these podcasts on my own. Hopefully, you enjoy the rambles or have enjoyed the rambles of. 2020 hopefully the podcast has brought you some knowledge bombs hopefully it's opened your eyes hopefully you've learned at least one thing that you have implemented into your own journey and then one other thing that i hope that you've shared with something some, someone else because this podcast itself was designed to try and bring you you know free information from uh, experts in the field or people that are high up in the fitness industry that have a lot of experience um, to, and just to give you information that will help you on your journey so if you haven't done that what i would say is please just share an episode from this year that you've enjoyed tag two or three people on your instagram story please tag me in it as well and just just let me know what you thought of it um I, I would love for you to do that but as a summary of 2020 it was a year that none of us were expecting none of us were really prepared for it but i think going into 2021 we are all going in there with certain uncertainty and by that I mean that regardless of the situation the scenario with the gyms we will be certain that we will progress our physique we will hit our meals we will do our steps and wherever we are whatever we're going to do we'll give it the big beans the whole beans and nothing but the fucking beans